was making it work, but <laughs> welcome back to another episode of Eight Black Hands. Uh, that is Ray with a really snazzy, nice microphone for those that can't see. That's only on audio. That's Chris Stewart, our brother. Sharif is traveling and will be with us very soon. Uh, but you have had another week of we had a, a really big election that happened. There was some surprises. There's been a lot happening in black culture. And we got a few different things we're going to touch on. But I'm going to throw it to Ray because uh, we've been going through a bunch of different articles and clips and things in the news. And there was something that caught, Ray, that caught Ray's eye. And when Ray gets excited, I, I, I think we just need to let him have the mic and just go. So, well, brother, you do your thing. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but I'm excited about a couple of different things, right? And so the way we'll start the show off, We'll start it off like this. I feel like it was another opportunity for folks to go out and vote and for America to sustain uh, democracy, right? And I feel like that worked out well for, for most, right? So I wanted to get y'all's thoughts in terms of, like, Black men, how they showed up, if they showed up, and just, like, what are the pinnacle moments that occurred in this election that are memorable for you guys and that we can discuss, right? So jumping right in. Uh, Chris, what's your take, man? Tuesday. Um, well, I mean, it's not a strong take. It's just what everybody kind of knows right now is that we, we were expecting things to be a bloodbath, kind of. We were expecting there to be like a red wave. <laughs> and it turned out to be just kind of like a purple surge, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like a mixed salad, you know. Uh, it, it, it was good in some places, not, yeah, not good in some other places or whatnot. I mean, listen, we're still going to have divided government, mixed government. I was just worried that we were about to see this wave of kind of like authoritarian rule about to take over and it didn't happen. So I'm happy about it. All of the prognostications and all the other stuff, you know, like oh, will black men show up for Stacey Abrams and all that. It feels like I'm, I'm losing every election. I'm losing more and more faith in people that predict things mm -hmm. like experts and predictors because they're doing me wrong just in every election, probably for the last four or five elections. It just feels like, I don't know how you hire them. How do you get their jobs? Y'all tell me, how do they get their jobs? <laughs> like, I want that job where you could just be wrong constantly and still have work. Well, you could be Nate Silver and get it really, really, really right. Yes. One time and Once. ride that thing for a decade plus now. Be when did Obama forever. first get elected? Yeah. And then he's wrong, you know, after that forever. Well, guess who was right? Who? Who was right? Ray Ankrum, baby. I was right. What? So it was several shows ago, right? Okay. And I said specifically that this was not going to be a red wave, that it was going to be a blue wave. In I was the only one that was wrong, though. I'm, I want to be fair, because okay. Chris said that it wasn't going to be. Sharif said that it wasn't going to be. I said that I did feel like it was going to be a little bit more. I didn't think, it, I mean, like, like super, super drastic, but I think all three of y'all were right. Um, but I do remember like saying that and Chris and you and Sharif all kind of being like, nah, probably not. Uh, so I, I'm just, to be fair, that, that did happen. I remember it cause I came ready for the smoke and I can say when I was wrong, I, I, I think, and I'm glad I was wrong. You know what I mean? I think, um, I'm definitely glad I was wrong, but I think there's a few things that we saw from this, right? One, I think right now that was a hard pivot 
on the Republicans. Um, and I don't know. Uh, y'all always say I'm smoking. Y'all should talk to Sharif about his smoky ass room right now. I was about uh, to say, <laughs> damn, what is going on in your room, bro? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, hey Reeve, don't don't do that, man. Our public image is important for us. So, <laughs> so listen. So, so if that was true, what you doing on the screen? Look at them all crisp and whatnot. Dang. Yeah, you got a Kodak camera, Kodak moments. Yeah, that's what's oh. up. So, so what's but up, what I, what, so one of the things that I learned that I think is huge is I think that there did it did make a shift from being Trump's Republican Party to DeSantis's Republican Party. I think that um, I, I think that and and Fox News immediately jumped ship. Like I mean, immediately, <laughs> like mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like things that like they were critical of Trump in ways that I had not seen them be critical of Trump in a long time. The other thing is I think there's this false, we have to kill this false narrative about this division of black uh, men and black women as voting and that, and we showed again, yet again, that we are one of the strongest voting blocks ever. Um, and in Georgia, all of the black people that voted, when you add up black men and, and black women collectively, uh, they went for a net 90%. Uh, and that's a huge, powerful voting block. Uh, I wish we got more for that vote, um, but I think- nothing for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, but but I think that there has been this narrative and there were people gearing up to kind of blame black men or black men. Let this down or let that down. No, let me tell you who let you down. There's yes. a lot of white women that you love that wore them pink hats that got Black Lives Matter signs yes. and a whole bunch. And they went in that booth and only 25 percent of them showed up for you. So them people that y'all be that sometimes you will be standing next to yes. as black people to Allies, go to black men. You need to yeah, I think you gotta have that heat for them. So um, those are two of the big things that I saw. And then I think finally from the election, you know, this is the first time as an adult that I haven't voted in an Oakland election. Um, I voted here in my town and the, you know, I'm in a like the black place and it was like these black women, uh, the Zetas came out and helped them, but they were just so sweet, man. And I was up early and these black women and these old black men were just out super early and super nice. And it just was really cool being at a place where it wasn't nothing but black voters. And they was talking and, you know, giving you hugs and had food and coffee. And it was just really cool. So those are my takeaways, man. Yeah. Hey, Reeve, jump in here, man. We're talking about uh, election takeaways, uh, you know, that, that predicted red wave that never happened. Jump in here, buddy. Look, all I can say is PA saved the day. All right. So y'all, y'all better put some speck on our names. You know what I mean? Like in the Pennsylvania area, despite all the lunatics that live in the state. Folks showed up in in the in the city and the suburb. So, look, we got a uh, we still got a lot of work to do, man. Mm-hmm. We still got a lot of work. My biggest thing is, folks are gonna you know even if they get the Senate, if they get the House, whatever. Like folks are keen to celebrate stuff that ain't it ain't ready. It ain't time to celebrate. You know, I, I just don't know why everything turns into a party. That's my thing. Mm-hmm. Like you know, just. This, this is the start of the work. It's not the middle. It's not one quarter in. It is at the very, very start. And the last time I recall, even if we, even if, uh, you know, we see advancement and, and uh, control over House and Senate, last time I saw that, I didn't see much get done specifically <laughs> on for our communities. So, you know, but I see people already raring to go and celebrating. Oh, look at this. It was the blue wave and all, all these new hats. Like, yo, man, save that nonsense. Like, you know what I mean? It's like it's like coming off of, you know, getting resuscitated. You're still in a coma, but you're celebrating. Like, yeah, you say like, oh, yeah, I'm glad this part happened. 
we still we still in the bed, laid up. Like you know what I mean. We still got like a massive, massive. Way to look at things, bro. Look, look, man. I'm a realist, man. I'm a pragmatic revolutionary, and I just look at things how they are. And I know that from mm-hmm. history, we'd love to find, we'd love to like get drunk on the small wins, celebrate the small wins, but do it with a high five, a hug, and then get back to work. We want to like kick out the, the 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 beverages and the libations and all that kind of stuff. Yo, so my, my question to y'all is this, right? We get the we get Democrats get these wins, right? And, mm. and and then for two years, folks back off. They don't really put pressure on these politicians. They don't really keep them to their promises. They don't do any of those things. If you're giving advice to voters right now in terms of like how you hold hold people's like feet to the fire in terms of like what you promised. What's your advice to them? I mean, my thing is turn up the heat. Don't turn it down. You know, when you get somebody that made promises to you, turn up the heat. We, we as you said, we turn it down and just like, well, at least so-and-so's not in there. At least the, those red guys ain't in there. That's what we're like satisfied with that. And like, that's the that's the recipe for disaster for our people, man. I, and I think that's that's been a pattern, man. It's a, like a, a psychological brain freeze when it happens, it's like eating ice cream too fast for some folks, this is what it's like. And we just like, we just get stuck. And listen, I would say, turn up the heat. However you showed up to get the vote out, to get the, you know, all that, do plus 10, do plus 20 now, because they like, hey, you're in there. Some promises were made. Here's the list of promises and we ain't moving. We ain't budging until some of this stuff gets done. Right, like that. Charles, what do you think? Well, we still didn't. We skipped Chris. I mean, on his initial uh, reaction. Did we? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my bad. Oh, he's been ready. He's he's. Go ahead, brother. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't feel like y'all skipped me. Um, no, we did. It was yeah, that doesn't no. matter if you feel like that. <laughs> it, 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 it happened. <laughs> Folks, if you're listening right now, we skipped Chris. <laughs> nah, yeah. you good, man. Um, you know what I I, I find interesting is how we have uh, allowed the victories to frame our issues in ways where even our wins are not as big a wins as they should be. So we, we, we talk about education on this podcast. I wonder what did we win for education? Like if we talk about wins, like what did we win in terms of policies and practices that are going to be delivered to our young people at some point, that's going to make a difference. We didn't really win a lot. The education issue was framed as parental rights, school choice, CRT, versus kind of inclusion and that stuff that has nothing to do with education and practices and policies that we want for ourselves the the police and criminal justice issues we've wanted police reform for years and we still need it but we let that be a referendum on defend or defund the police versus you know uh, we support law enforcement or whatever it's like the wrong questions are at play between the white left and white right and we're not the architects of what the white left and the white right are arguing about in these elections where, where it's really a battle between them. It's not a battle, but like we vote and we participate. But really, if we're very honest, we're voting in somebody else's um, game. Mm. Like we're playing in somebody else's NFL. And, and <laughs> you know, like we can make plays if we want to, but we're not actually running the business. So when they define the issues around police justice, poverty, um, uh, racial justice, social justice, any of those things, economics. A lot of times, Charles talks about this a lot. We are bipoced into, well, you know, college, free college is good for everybody. You know, 
Yeah, but it's not specifically the thing that we're asking for for us. We need a specific program for HBCUs and for us and for our particulars. No, 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 no. Just let's Bernie BIPOC it all together and just Medicare <laughs> for all. And, you know, and yes, there is a benefit to, for us for things like Medicare for all, for free college, those things. But we're not the architects of those things. So that's my only point is like, even when we have wins, one of the wins that we have, I think Sharif just hit, hit on, we're defend our defensive wins. We stop somebody else from doing something really crazy. Yay! We stop mm -hmm. crazy people from coming to lynch us. Cool. And then the other win is kind of like a, a BIPOC defined universal all lives matter, everything, you know, whatever win. Where's where's our win? Like our like where we designed the, the conversation. Yeah, man. I, you know, Eddie Murphy talked about that on like, I don't know if it was delirious or raw. But, you know, the saltine, this is a saltine moment. If you're starving, oh, God. a saltine tastes great. <laughs> uh, yes. If you're yeah. starving, a saltine tastes great. But this was not a Ritz, ladies and gentlemen, okay? Like, and I think that, like, I mean, really, let's just be honest. I mean, I, I always vote. So I, I feel like I can say what I want about the election. I don't, I don't know if that level of catharsis is there for me the way it was during the Obama election. Or even when I was too young, but I remember when it was... Uh, you know, uh, George Bush and Al Gore or certain things like that. I think I, I 1000% agree with what Sharif was saying, right? Like, it, it, like we, <laughs> we just got to set our standards a little bit higher, right? Like this is just part one. Like this is like just the, okay, cool. This is where we are. Here go the things that you need to probably pay attention to because the Republicans you need to worry about did not, they didn't win closely. They won in a landslide. They won like, crazy uh and power has shifted and these are people that know how to wield power and two these are people that have been tired of being under donald trump and now they got some breathing room and they're about to do what they do DeSantis is about to DeSantis a lot um and i know how chris feels about um you know getting gavin in there i will say this because i talked to this i talked about this on the black and brown show i do on fridays when you vote in a 90 percent block which is a beautiful thing it can be a beautiful thing it can if you can like maneuver and use that block to negotiate and get what you want. Uh, but with our brown people, our, our brown brothers and sisters, right? Like they have so many different crews inside that they can't just have one single singular message to that community because they don't know who they're talking to. They don't know how that thing is going to cut. And with, with, what, what happens with that is that they all have to get campaigned to. And I think that that's one of the things. And I think that's why you got so much of this black man let us down or whatever, because we got turned into a monolithic voting block. Um, and it was like, yo, these are the powerful people with the powerful voices in this black group. So that's who we're going to talk to. And you had all this infighting before things had started. So I just want us to be smarter. Like you said, uh, Sharif, I don't want us to settle for the crumbs. Don't settle for the saltine, baby. You a Ritz. You deserve a Ritz. So get you a Ritz cracker, you know man. What? I, this I, I just want to ask y'all something. Like, like, Let's do this right now, the four of us right now. <laughs> We're not doing this. <laughs> Can, let's do this right now. Can we take a boot and stomp on the neck of whoever and whatever is responsible for the black man not showing up thing narrative? Yeah, can yeah. we put? Can we stomp that? Can we? What's it when you get a Kirby? Can we put the the teeth of it on the curb? Oh my god! Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we I put the teeth of that? So so let's take let's take this narrative. People, yeah. imagine with me, if you will. The narrative that black men are not showing up like they're supposed to show up and blah, 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 blah. Let's take that narrative and put its teeth on the curb. Yeah. And then what happens with, with the Kirby? What do you do after that? You take a boot 
to the back of the neck and That's you crazy. stomp its teeth out because this is the most asinine, ridiculous, but strong and durable. Yeah, kind hey, of... but, but if you're gonna if you're gonna do that with that, man, you gotta we gotta do that with black followers too. Yeah. We gotta put yeah, all but yeah, nothing. but let's start with this one because we just we said three times in this show what the actual I think we did yeah. what the actual yeah. results turned out to be. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. And there's still there's still activity on Twitter, still dragging black men. Uh, so, which y'all did to Stacey Abrams was wrong and blah, blah, blah. So my, my question yeah, to no. you guys, right? And, and taking that further, and Charles, you hit on this uh, with, with, with the brown vote. You saw a, a good many of folks that are down in Miami-Dade County vote for DeClantis. The sandwich. The Clantis. The Clan sandwich. Yeah, the Clan sandwich. So you saw, you saw a good many of, of, of brown folks vote for He carried mm -hmm. Dade County. Bro, you know how yeah, meaningful bro. that is for somebody to carry Dade County? Yeah. That, that's what I'm saying, bro. He he is he is coming, bro. He is coming. Like, like, you know, like when when they when that when in, in uh Avengers and and uh when they beat up the Hulk <laughs> and then he turned back into <laughs> the regular dude and they was like, Who's coming? He's like, Thanos is coming. Like yeah. he is winning over people that don't just look like white people, fam. Like, I just need people to understand yeah. Florida is different, and like, and, and I think that like these people are gearing up. Now, I'm not trying to be a demagogue or, or overworry people, but I think if you're paying attention, that was a big sign in that party. And if people in the Democratic side are paying attention, it's a big indicator for them as well, especially since here's where it might come back to bite us a little bit, because there was a lot of talk. If this had been a red wave of potentially maybe uh, uh, platforming, not platforming, but, uh, you know, um, I'm going to say platform, but you know what I mean? Biden, right? Like making sure Biden had to run again. But now that Biden has carried this, that's giving him a life force and they're not going to play that game. And I don't know if I don't know how Biden does against the DeSantis. Like, I don't know. Um, I think I don't know if this carries over there. Two years can be a very long time. But so, this is probably one of the potential places because people might get comfortable. I think I think I think you guys are reading too much into this, right? As being a member of the party, I know the stronghold that Trump still has on the party and his ability to divide mm -hmm. that vote still puts him at a competitive advantage over the Clintus sandwich, right? And yeah, so this idea well, that that this, this idea that he's won over, I mean that DeSantis has that they're going to depose uh, Trump and his people and his right. voters really quickly. No that's fantasy. Yeah. They're trying real hard. You mentioned it, Charles, like Fox News and everybody, they're trying they to trying. pivot. They, they, they try. trying to be from up under him. But it's not working. But you know what could not work? Yet. Not a yet. Civil, a civil war between the two mm -hmm. could work. Right? I'm here for it. I'd love that for them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd love that for them. Yeah. And so so I guess next up, right? So there's a video that's circulating. I'll play the video and then we'll go to reaction. Deep down in my heart, I'm ethnocentric, which means I think my race is the superior one. Oh, I say it. Hey, look. So white is better than all. No, let me finish. Hey. I think everybody thinks that they're just not honest about it. Hey, I'm not racist though. I like all types of kinds. Did I say I don't like people? People only think that. Wait, so you said you are what? You are racist. You're saying you're like you're I racist. I think everybody's a racist at at that level. No, you said you are you racist. racist. <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah, I'm trying to be honest. Yes, I'm racist. No, I'm not saying it again. I've said it enough. So you're racist. I think I should like you. Tell you to stop speaking. 
Put your phone up. I respected I, you. I actually respected up. you for a while, but like, I'm now. Your phone up. I don't even got no more respect for you. Put it up. Yeah, for real. I don't think I got respect for him no more, bro. Mm -mm. You know, you should have more respect for him. Hey, the kid, hey man, I used to respect you. I respected you for a while. <laughs> I don't respect for you no more, bro. So initial take, brief. I know you about to kill it. So what's your initial take on that, man? Man, brief. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, this is what what I'll say is, man. This is like not um, it's not new. It's new that it's being captured. We've all had, uh, we've all know young folks who come home and say, yo, my teacher's in the KKK. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's happened more than once for a lot of, uh, you know, children and youth, you know? And my thing is whatever he expressed in that classroom that has shown up in his lesson plans, that has shown up in his conversations and communication to families. That has showed up in the expectations that he has for those children. You know what? That showed up in whoever gave him a certificate to come in that um, community and teach. There's been a long line. So that ain't new. It's just like we have new technology being, you know, um, used to capture it. But it's always it was always captured in the old technology. Chalk, blackboard, uh, a uh, uh, copy machine, whatever technology used to enter grades, let capture lesson plans. Man, this ain't this is like this is a pervasive mindset. He's just happened to be kind of honest about it. Chris, what's your thoughts? Research has told us for a long period of time that we have teachers walking into classrooms every single day that have the wrong attitudes about our kids, the wrong beliefs about their ability to achieve that our kids are less um, less likely to be chosen for um, gifted and talented when you use teacher recommendations as one of the ways that they can get into gifted and talented. What does that tell you? Even when they're qualified, they're 100% qualified to go into those higher levels. But if, it's, if it is requiring a teacher recommendation to get you there, few of them actually make it. Um, our kids are seen as you know, older than they actually are. You know, I've run through these a million times on this show. Uh, research tells us that kids, our kids are seen as less innocent, older than they actually are. They're adultified. Um, when you take teachers and you have them watch a classroom and make them watch for bad behavior, their eyes intentionally gravitate towards black students. So to Sharif's point, this isn't new. This isn't anything that we should, we should be shocked about, but we get gaslit. I call it race lighting. We get oh. gaslit on, on race all the time. Like we're making it up. Like our kids don't know that they have racist ass teachers that they have. Uh, I mean, this dude right there, like think about this situation right now, all the white kids in that class see a white man saying, I think that my race is superior, right? Cool. It doesn't affect them the same way that uh, now every non-white kid in that class, every kid that is not white in that class has a different relationship with the entire institution of, of education and authority from that moment on. They should if they're healthy, if they're if they're spiritually and, and mentally healthy kids, they, they should have a different relationship after that comment. But I mean, what you going to do? He's not the only one. Right. 
We've also had other clips on this show. We had a young white teacher at Ben Franklin in New Orleans who was arguing that he can say nigger in the classroom. And the black kids were saying, you can't say that. And he was saying, yeah, I can say that. I, it's just a word now. And blah, blah, blah. He's arguing with them, right? Mm-hmm. We could do a whole show on these type of clips and we'd find enough to work with. Yeah, but Charles, jump in. No, go ahead. Go, go ahead, because I, I feel like you have an excitable response. I just, I, I just, this shit makes me so angry, bro. It makes me so angry because, like, I, I, when I look at it, I think about it as the term in terms of like the difference between subtle racism and overt racism, right? So, on the one hand, I want to know if you if you ain't rocking with me. I want to know if you ain't rocking with black people, right? So then I could determine, 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 determine how. Did, did, did that sound weird to y'all too? That I was like, no, that sounded that sounded like new age hip hop. You know, what oh, I mean? yeah, yeah. Like determined, 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 determined. Yeah, I thought he was about to kick into some bro. bars. Yeah. I thought he was about to do bars. I was like, yeah, wow, that, that new fancy microphone betrayed you, brother. Go ahead, continue, brother. You <laughs> Yo, said, I don't know. Was, <laughs> all right, but um, uh, but but so man, I I would just rather know, right? And so if you look, if you do simple math in terms of like how many. Uh, how many how many racialized white people show up in terms of like who who's teaching? Eighty percent of folk that teach are racialized white people, and so you know, granted, I'm not trying to you know put everybody in this category because everybody's not in this category, right? So I don't want to I don't want to come at it with like a, a swath and be like everybody's racist because I, I don't believe that. However, it's a lot of folks that come in every day. And parents need to be more intentional in terms of like turning your kids over to the enemy. I think Malcolm Malcolm said it. Uh, Reef says it all the time and paraphrases it and doesn't attribute it to Malcolm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but oh, my, but yeah, my man, whole I, orientation, I, I, my whole orientation can be attributed to Malcolm. So anything after that, it's already been attributed, bro. Oh my god! Now go ahead, just, go ahead with your uh, your forever. point. He said, "I got the fancy forever." <laughs> but so I, I just I, I worry about I worry about us right I worry about our community I worry about our kids every day that we're sending our kids to these schools and it and and I don't I, I don't know what to do I, I I know what to do on my end in terms of like you know just policing my own school and my involvement w- w- with our school but I just think about people that are not as conscious as me people that don't care as much as I care and how much and how many things folks are getting away with in terms of like spirit them and our babies. And I hate that shit for kids, man. I, I, I walked into a school that, that will rem, remain nameless. Um, kindergartner brought a gun to the school, hmm. was waving the gun around in the school. Is that the six-year-old? That's the six-year-old, yeah. What school was this? I, I am I, the school shall remain nameless. Why shall it remain nameless? And it, and it like national news. It is, and so if y'all want to say the school, y'all can. But I'm affiliated in some other kind of way with the school, so I don't want to pull. I don't want to. I, I don't know the name of the school necessarily, but I, you know, I think you should. Name I mean, if it was your school, names, I'd be like, yeah. it happened at Ray School. We got. Hey, don't school. say that. Hey, so folks, if you're listening, no, it's the not. Didn't happen we know at, that is not. Ray's I'm school. just saying, like, you wasn't. You're not talking. You're not talking shit about nobody. You just saying yeah. what actually happened. Oh, so so so, so it, it happened at Boys Prep, uh, boy, Boys Prep Elementary School. Right. In Bronx, so, in the Bronx, in the Bronx, yeah. And so, Boys Prep Elementary School is a CMO that that's a collective of Boys Prep uh, and Girls Prep, right? And that is the former uh, school district that used to be run by Ian Rowe. Oh, so maybe that six-year-old didn't know the success sequence. 
Maybe somebody should maybe. just told him. Yeah, maybe somebody should just taught him the six sex. The, oh, this the is the petty segment of the show. Got yeah. it. Let me get my answer. No, no, no. Here. Well, wait, before you say that, then, before you say that, let me say this then. Because this is not petty, but it's 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 important to say. We talk about and see, you know, I don't need the full screen, but whatever. Um, when we talk about what we were just talking about just now, yeah, the thing that was going through my mind is how many people in our network who have that attitude of that teacher that get by because we we work with them on something or right. we used to work with them or something, or we sit on panels with them sometimes. So, so I'm not thinking about the broad world out there or every teacher in America. I'm thinking in my own, I'm just like, listen, if you're listening to this uh, and you are not an insider, I'm telling you as an insider on some things in the education world, that, that, that the, the feeling, the sentiment in that teacher that we saw or we just heard from is a sentiment that is actually within education advocacy and philanthropy and and some some rooms I've been in and some panels I've sat on. And there are people that you know who are a part of the Twitterati who like to tweet tweet things about Edie Hirsch and the cotton the the canon and the core knowledge or whatnot, who do believe that Western civiliz civilization is white civilization and it's superior to anything that multiculturalists have ever come up with, right? And if you have seen me change within the last year and break ties with a lot of people, it's because this teacher that we just heard from, actually the sentiment that he was saying to those kids right there is actually the sentiment within people that I've broken ties with. Yeah. I'm just going to stop there and move on. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're right. Well, and listen, so we've got so, universities who still, to this day, uh, give out books, or matter of fact, not give out, demand that their students who are supposedly learning how to teach coming into our communities. And this is why communities need to certify the educators that come in their schools, but that's a different show. Um, like Diane Ravage's books. Diane Ravage, what that guy said, Diane Ravage believes that. And she's said mm -hmm. that in the past in just different ways, but the same same mindset, mm -hmm. same, mm -hmm. same determined mm -hmm. determination to, you know, uh, make one group supreme and other groups inferior. And we got black professors who assign her books to their white students who are coming to, you know, who are coming to teach our kids, man. This is, you know, that, that mindset, he just said it in a crass way. They just got more sophisticated language and, and, and tricks and traps about it. Same exact stuff, bro. Yeah. I think, I, I guess I was just, I was, so that's why you I always got to be mad, right? I enjoy watching. Uh, okay. I don't need the full screen. Just keep it here. Cause I want to, yeah. I want to be in a conversation, but I think, I was just enjoy, enjoying watching people's reactions because I'm just like, why are you surprised? <laughs> I, like exactly right. Like I'm not surprised. First off, let me tell you what I was most mad about. You want to know what I was most mad about? I was most angry that this teacher does not know what ethnocentric means. That bothered me on a bunch <laughs> of different levels because I write about it. <laughs> ethnocentric is not what he was saying. Ethnocentric is judging other cultures based off your own preconceived notions of your own culture. You can't even be I'm racist the right way. I'm just telling you, exactly, exactly. you're not even good at like you're not, racism. You're not even good like at racism. How Twitter, dumb do you have to be to be bad at racism? It's like when somebody on Twitter corrects your grammar and they make a mistake in the correction of your grammar. So that's one. <laughs> Two, like, listen, this was a gift. This was a this was a gift from baby Jesus. This is an early Christmas gift. Like, take, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. He, this person said the quiet thing out loud. They let you know who they were. And he did it very calmly. Yeah, like, it was very calm. Be, because there are so many people. It's uh, a level of comfort that, with that, that, right? That feel that way. Like, like, like y'all just said, with the Diane Rabbit stuff or whatever. Like, so much of the things that we get taught. Like, right? What do you think Columbus lessons are on, right? Like, 
like somebody just said the loud thing, the quiet thing very loudly. And I just feel like, like <laughs> you, let me, let me, if that shocked you, let me really shock you. There's a bunch of black people that feel like that. There's a bunch of black people that feel like you are stupid and your kids are stupid and, and that you just a mamie and that you ain't raising your kids well and all that stuff. There's a bunch of black people that want you to just assimilate and just be more quote unquote white or whatever. There's whole research, bodies of research on it. Like, like we are from a society where phrenology used to be the reigning literature of like how people, how we determine who's smart or not. Black people, you got to stop being surprised. We can't talk about racism all day, every day, and then be surprised when some overt racism shit happens. Thank the good Lord that this person told you and shows you who they were and like move accordingly. But you got to start learning how to listen to both the subtext and the supertext. Pay attention to this Harvard case. This Harvard case is riddled with this shit. This Harvard case is riddled with you niggas ain't smart enough to be here and you messing it up for us to be here and we want to be next in line to be with these white people. Like, we are smarter than this, y'all. And I just think that, like, if we going to keep reacting like this to everything, we not, we're not prepared for the war that's in front of us right now. But I don't think a lot of the black people I know or associate with were surprised. I think what I'm seeing is a lot of white people Saying like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, who, who, that's no. in our public schools like that. Like you know, like Chris said, like that that whole gaslighting piece, like that to me, that's what I see reactions when the Race thousand lighting. of those type of videos show up. It's like, isn't the black folks like, yeah, I remember when I was in school. Yes. And you know da, da, I remember Sharif. like. They're phony though. They're phony, bro. They're phony. Yeah, it's, it's like, which ones? Because you know what? So well, this this is where I think it's phony for them to be like, you know, can you believe this is in our schools? Because listen, we're about to have a holiday called Thanksgiving. And some of them are going to hear some things at Thanksgiving dinner from their uncles, cousins, yes. that side of their white family. Listen, I'm in a very table. white area. I'm married into a white family. We, you know, all you have to do is scour the Facebook of your own family members and you can tell which ones are where, blah, blah. No one's surprised. No, no, no white person is surprised. No, that's where they're the gas comes in, right? They're surprised he got caught on video. They're like, damn. No, you said not that, our next Tuesday. You said that out loud? At, yeah, they're like, at our next Tuesday meeting, we're going to have to go over the bylaws with his ass. You don't say the shit on <laughs> Not the bylaws. Right, yeah, exactly. we're going to go over the bylaws with him. Like, what's wrong with him? He said it on camera, damn. You we gotta, like, it makes company. Now we might You're have to, like, to you know, yeah, he said it makes company. We have to ship him to Cuba or something now. Like, That's what like, I'm saying. This person is know. a gift. He is such a gift. He I really thank is. you for this gift because this is the yeah. thing, right? Like you, you just said, said he's a gift from Jesus, though. I oh, think he is a gift. Right? I, I, he, he is. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what the gift is. The gift Jesus, is this, right? Though. The gift is this. If people are getting it's more so comfortable, people are getting more comfortable in <laughs> their bigotry. Up, you know? People are getting more bold in their bigotry. People are getting are, mm-hmm. are not as afraid. They don't feel like they got to hide anymore. And I think that like you want to know where these people are and you want to know where they stand. What I'm saying is it's like you would be surprised. No, it's not. I, I agree with you. Well, I think there I saw a lot of black people act outraged or act surprised on Twitter when I saw it, when we were sharing it. And I would go and look at the comments and people like, I can't believe this. And it's like you lived a very charmed life. But I'm going to tell you, I've worked in districts. We all worked in districts. It'd be black people that'd be like, them parents ain't coming to this meeting. This ain't happening. Da-da-da-da-da. Blah, 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 blah. I'm talking about I've worked in places where the majority of people are black. The leadership is black. The teacher is black. The, the, the principal is black. And that same shit gets said in different ways. So, I mean, like, we, we I just, 
it's there, man. I, if, if you are surprised or shocked by this and you work in education, I am fearful for the environment in which you are inhabiting. Okay, so I, I want to add a nuanced argument to this, right? Mm-mm. And so a lot, <laughs> so a lot, a lot of a lot of the the, the black folks that that uh, exclaim shock uh, to to this whole video that we just played, right? So, folks, if you're listening on the audio version, we just played a video uh, with a teacher uh, acting racist, like they do. And so, um, you know, a lot of these people are pro union people. Right. And so the union comes in on the back end and, and they end up saving this guy's job. And so it can't be a both end type of thing here. Right. It's like, yo, this guy's racist and we have no room for this in our profession. So this guy's got to go. Whereas there are law, there, there are things that put in place in terms of collective bargaining that allows this guy to be able to save free speech type of things. And then the union will come in on the back end and will advocate for this guy. This guy goes out on paid mm. leave. It's not unpaid. It's paid. I disavow. Right? And then he and then he comes back and then he comes. Oh, why? Because you're going to be in the rubber room for a little bit. Yeah, because I'm part of the union. And also because, you know, the so the the union has to do what they're supposed to do in this situation, which is make sure that this teacher gets due process. Due process. Right? And due process for him is also due process for the teachers that they're firing for bringing the wrong books into the classroom that are like black books, for instance. Right. So the union has to protect every teacher. So so. I'm done with the blaming unions on everything. Like, like I'm not blaming situ- unions on everything. In this but situation, I'm- he he deserves due process. Which mm-hmm. since it's on video, since, process, since it's bro. since it's on video, the due process should go fast. Is that you on the video? Fast. Yeah, that's me on the video. Okay, cool. He gets a good lawyer. He gets a good lawyer, and his lawyer can can explain away with word salads in terms of like what he meant and what he didn't mean. He ends up going to some kind of sensitivity training or whatever, some DEI training, and then the next thing you know, he's back in front of black. Kids. Would we, we feel the same way if he said, "I'm white and I'm proud"? Would it be as controversial? No, I just was curious. Yeah, I don't think it would either. I, I, I just—I mean, if somebody say that in my school, like, there's a conversation. Tell me more. Yeah. What do you? What do you, tell me about what you're proud about? Like, tell me more. Like, and there's nothing wrong with white people having identity. Everyone has an identity. But when you associate like certain words and certain terminology that means something that has depth right. of hatred and murder and mayhem, then I'm, you know, we know we're sitting across the table. We're going to have a conversation. That's going to be the culture that you say something slick and crazy. Know that there's accountability and, we, and you're going to explain yourself and you're going to explain to your students or whoever you, st- you know, you were talking to. But it ain't yeah. just, oh, I just said this and don't mean nothing. Like, no, nah, bro, it meant something. And I want to know exactly what you meant. And I agree with you. And, th- and this is, th- but this goes back to us knowing who we are, right? Because black people usually get lumped in with stuff. We started this out talking about the election and some black man probably did something, but it becomes all black men. White people don't have to deal with that, right? And usually you do hear white people do that, but they don't say I'm white and I'm proud. They say I'm Irish and I'm proud of my Irish heritage or I'm, I'm Russian or I'm this or I'm that. And it is because they can trace their lineage back to where they are. And I think that part of this, listen, man, I try well, to- Wait a second. Can I ask you though? Yeah. Is that yeah. true though? Because a lot of them at this point, a lot of, a lot of white folks at this point- Oh, I'm about um, to, I are, was going to get to the white people that say white power. Because I mean, living in the no, South- No, no, no. I don't mean the white power. No, I mean- genealogy. 
Yeah, there's a lot of white people now at this point. Their genealogy is trash. They, they, oh, well, they yeah. I mean, yeah, but, but, they well, know longer. Off, Ireland, actually, let me take that back. European well, lady yeah, from Massachusetts. Uh, you know, I didn't mean to uh, say it like that. I mean, there's such oh. an almamation or whatever <laughs> oh, you call it, malamination or whatever. What did he say? Elizabeth what he Warren. Warren. Yeah. He's talking about Elizabeth Warren. Continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I didn't mean this in a derogatory. I just mean that there, there didn't used to be a real white people. There used to be Polish and Scottish. Yeah, and blah, white blah, blah, is blah. a gang. That's my point. It's a club. But, it's a but, members only club that people are vying for. Is what I'm saying. And I and yeah, I like. I don't agree with that either. Like, listen, if someone, it says, is. If someone says, um, there there can be such thing as a positive white identity mm -hmm. that is not connected to a a. There is a way to be a white human being who yep. has a positive white identity who is positive about um about being proud and, and of who they are, and they are no longer easy to determine that you are Scottish and you are German, like all that. In some cases, like where I live and, and some of my family members is very easy to determine. There's some very clear Germans, mm -hmm. you know, where I live, white people that still maintain a lot of those traditions. But there's also a lot of white people who couldn't tell you like two, two generations before them, you right. know, where they came from or whatever. Um, anyways, I, I only brought this up to say, because Sharif was saying, if you had a teacher that said, uh, I'm, I'm, white i'm proud of being white or something white, like that I'm white and i'm proud i'm white and i'm proud there has to be a future in which white people can have a positive identity yeah. in their whiteness i'm good with that uh you know yeah that is not connected to white power nationalism and all that stuff yeah because you can be that and anti-racist at the same time right you can yeah. have white identity yeah. and be anti-racist simultaneously a lot of times people think like mm -hmm. oh if you're, you're white you can't be anti like no like no like no there, there there's a white identity you trace your culture and lineage the the macaroni uh salad with raisins that ray tends to like like there there may just be things oh, so that, that that's, I plagiar <laughs> that's plagiarism <laughs> I don't disagree with anybody was saying what and I agree with what you're saying because my point was I'm bringing it back to us and I'm bringing it back to there was something that was robbed from us from many of us and we don't know we're not able to do that right so we are kind of lumped into just black right general black uh and usually when you meet people that's not from here that moved here they're like no no I'm from here I'm I am Mm -hmm. I am Nigerian, bro. I just need you to understand. And I think that like, so I'm using moments like this that I can't control, right? And looking at like, well, what do I know about me? What do I know about these things? I don't have a problem. If a, listen, if you was, a, if you, I, I lived in Kentucky, so there was a lot of civil rights. I mean, a lot of civil war stuff. And when me and you were sitting together, Chris, in, in Minnesota, and I found that book, you helped me find, it's like, oh, I, I could trace some of my people back to the civil war. If you're a white person and they was at the union, hey, be proud of that. I just think that what I, what I'm saying is for us, how do we need to keep digging and find out who we are and learn about who we are, right? In my family, it's a lot of people that went to jail. It's a lot of people that did a whole bunch of stuff. It's there's shame and there's things to be proud of in every type of lineage. And until you can have those type of conversations, I just was looking at this and I just wasn't surprised by it. I just was, I was more surprised and entertained by all the black people that I saw surprised online. That was why, that was just my interest. <laughs> Yo. I think one of the most entertaining things about the uh, about the whole thing is when people were like, "Yo, I'm not, I'll in, I'll interact with this in a roundabout way, but I'm not retweeting this because I, I'm not with this charlatan that that posted it initially." 
Oh, I don't know who posted up. initially. Okay, but... for Tariq did. So for people listening, <laughs> Ray is making reference to Tariq, uh, who who was the first person I saw it from. Oh, okay. uh, uh, on online and on Twitter, and and Tariq has a very powerful profile, like a very and it's growing. Uh, yeah, and is growing a very pro-black, um, dangerous profile in some ways, in which you know he's always on that that edge of cancellation, but he can't be canceled. Uh, he owns he owns himself, and he owns his his own media situation. So um, anyways, I, I actually want to say, that I don't think I saw any black people that were surprised. I do think black people reserve the right to still be outraged when yeah, things get filmed. And, and I want to say this, going back, we said this on the show before to the Rodney King thing. I can remember the prevailing thought was because it's on video, this is game over. This will be the end of the thing because that was one of the first times something that we knew was going on for years that we were never surprised about. We were not, we were not surprised. We yeah. just wanted it captured on film. And then it was on the evening news and it was like game over. We got you. <laughs> and the court system was like, <laughs> you got who? <laughs> you got who? These jokers about to walk free. And that's why a whole city burned. And that's why right. a whole movement started whatnot. And then since then, from then on, we had a different relationship with things captured on, on film. Mm -hmm. We knew that it was important, but it wasn't the end all be all. No, it's not that we're surprised, but we do reserve the right to still be outraged every single time we see No, it. I, I saw some where people were like generally surprised, but really, but yeah, like, like yeah, how could this be? I'm gonna oh try to find they, they were just they were like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe that, they, that he said this. I can't, I can't believe come like, on, man, you're black. Just because we say, come on, stop it, Cole. What, you're, stop you're, you're, you're black. We say, I can't believe it. It doesn't mean that I can't believe it. Like I can't believe half the stuff Ray does, but I know like I can believe it. But I say I can't believe you did that, Ray Ray. And in the back of my head, I know Ray Ray going to do that. You know what I'm saying? Listen, listen, let me tell you. Let me tell you because this is. I mean, and you deal with young people too, but I work with a lot of young people. I work with a lot of Gen Z people. And a lot of Gen Z people see race in a very different way. This is the generation I've seen the most where black people are like, I think my white friends should be able to say nigga. I am surprised around this, this, and this. I, I'm telling you, like the conversations, like every time something like this happens, and I know we're going to talk about it, I try to talk about it with some of our young people and get their reaction. And some of those people were genuinely surprised that like that was like a thing that was happening, like that somebody mm -hmm. would say that. Like I'm telling you, bro, things is different, man. These generations are very very different bro and and like but i get what you're saying i, I just yeah I, i'll just no, leave I, it I, 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 I hear you but. some of some of our our youth are, are not being educated well um and they may not have been exposed they may be protected to a certain degree but mm. also means that they ain't they ain't they're all do this I'm yeah they, <laughs> yo hey so let so, you old people do this you know what the only thing that saved democracy in this last election is the forward thinking <laughs> fluid thinking no young people gen z yeah they did man they showed gen up z, so, so, gen z that's the people that just saved your ass because they think fluidly they don't believe in institution they they're not left or right they're not one way or the other but they know injustice when they see it right and they they are our, our young people don't need the type of educating that we think that they need this is some of our old people that yeah, are but, some real BS. Well, I mean, some old people are some I mean BS. it's probably across the continuum. Nobody has a monopoly on, you know, the the nonsense. I, I agree with you on, on on that. And there's some young folks. This is the same generation as quiet quitting. That means there there, there are some issues. There's some glitches. You know? 
Who they, who they quitting though? Old people. Old nah. people that have stole everything. Old people that have stole the whole world and talk about, I'm mad at you because you don't want to work. I don't want to work. You would have took everything. Rape the fields, rape the planet, rape the world. There are also people that's breaking. This is why you also can't trust polls as much no more, right? Because they're a wild card. Young people are not answering phones. They're not doing polls. They're not. That's right. You ask them something outside the thing. Like they're like they've really mm-hmm. made this into a new game. And and a lot of old and a lot of people, a lot of old people are very very upset. Didn't y'all? Didn't, I saw a few white people floating around. We should raise the voting age uh, yes. after. Oh after yeah, happened. oh yeah, that was, a, that was a thing. Did you yeah. stop mail in ballots? Yeah. Stop. Right. Oh, stop. Uh, raise the uh, raise the age. All kind of yeah. nonsense. We're trying to get it younger. Like I, I want sixteen year olds to be able to vote. So. So one thing that we got to acknowledge, right, is that we got to acknowledge the Democratic chair, the national chair, that black man, uh, Jamie Harrison, uh, out, out of uh, out of South Carolina. You know, he, he ran a campaign against Lindsey uh, Graham, didn't win, and then uh, got catapulted to the uh, Democratic chair. And so, you know, those are the people that are putting money in campaigns like nationwide. So it's like, all right, we can give this credit to Schumer. We can give this credit to Biden. I know Obama did a lot of things on the front end and the back end in terms of uh, galvanizing Democrats, but hey, we got to give a shout out to, uh, to to the Democratic chair. Shout out to that black man. Are you sure you're a Republican? I was about to say because I don't sir, even shout sir, out to no Democrats. Listen, <laughs> here's the thing, yeah. right? I'm a Democrat. I, Come on back. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm only, like, <laughs> I, I give I give credit do it, where Ray. credit is don't due. Do it. Right? I give credit where credit is due. If folks earned uh, respect. Bro, they they did you vote for anything Republican in this last election? No, the last couple. I see that's why he got that cap on. That's the real reason why he got a cap. All cap. (laughs) Like you know what's happening, right? This is this is uh education Education as a right now. Baton Rouge. Like, listen, I'm a I'm a Democrat, crotchety as ever, but I'm a Democrat. That's why I'm very frustrated. But if I was a Republican and I heard you talking like this, I'd be like, bro, it's not a Republican. Like, like you're not even a fiscal. But but here's the point, man. No, I, he I, is a fiscal. Start talking about taxes and stuff like <laughs> that. You'll be you'll get his Republicanism real quick. <laughs> hey. He's not a cultural Republican. He's a fiscal Republican as hell, though. He's yeah, stingy. Yeah. He's stingy <laughs> as hell. He does know. not like people. He like profits. Hey, so, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, listen, man, you got go libertarian, there, brother. Go liberate. Go live. That's hey, not libertarian. Last, bro. last segment of the show, Charles. You, you queuing this up, man? Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live came in last night. What they talk about and, and how we how we swinging it in? He's like, let me give you the screen so you can uh, cancel yourself because you are Ooh. the guy that carries Dave Chappelle's water. I am the Dave Chappelle fan. Listen, I loved. Uh, I, I it was. I enjoyed it. I thought there was a lot of outrage. Uh, that, that probably wasn't warranted, but people can feel how they want to feel. Uh, I think Dave Chappelle had a great monologue. I think he gave it to everybody. I think a lot of things that we articulated or spoke about in last week's show about all these things, I think he was able to take those and have really funny, clear, succinct thoughts. And uh, and today he's getting, you know, pressure from certain communities or whatnot. But I thought it was entertaining. I wanted to see a, 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 a throwback to the, to the Chappelle show. There was a rumor that some of the, the writers walked out and didn't participate, which I think only opened the door for him to do it a uh, Chappelle show style, which I got to see some of those favorite characters. But um, this is my point. I'll just end on this. If you can laugh at the black jokes, if you can laugh at the jokes of us making fun of ourselves, if you can laugh at the things and those shortcomings, and then some get said about you, and then now you want to protest and throw stuff and be upset, then listen, man, that that's just not 
you you not you're not coming to this table in the same kind of way. You get what I'm saying? Because there's a lot of hurt and pain that black people have gone through. And 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 we do like to we we like comedy. We like to go, you know, Bernie Mac was had a, a, a super funny stand-up that he couldn't do now, but you know, talk he talked about his again. <laughs> But he talked about his at the core of that, his sister was on drugs. His family was getting broken up and he took her kids in and he talked about those things that happened. Eddie Murphy talked about his alcoholic father and the things going on in his house and all that stuff. Right. And I just think that um, comedy has just been one of those vessels, man. But listen, I ain't going to tell nobody how to feel. I ain't going to tell nobody how to think. I personally enjoy uh, SNL is not like appointment tv every single week uh even though i do watch it i thought it was funny and i think they're gonna keep having them back because people watch even if you hate watch they watch so that's just my take on on the Chappelle joint yeah chris what were your thoughts i think i told y'all this i've been watching snl since the 70s so um there's lots of things i felt about it like uh this is one of those years where the cast switches over so it's a building year so i don't know you know it's not nearly as funny in its building years like when you get the first new cast and everything in so i feel like it was smart to have him on because it revitalized what could be a very this could be a bad season for snl they always are usually i have not i've I've yet to see a building year that was good so unite you have to invigorate it with some people that bring some ratings and some life to it I thought it was fine. Like, listen, uh, the thing that I've already told you guys, like off off camera, what I thought was interesting about it is Chappelle is like, he knows who not to mess with. You know, for all of his fearlessness and all of that or whatnot. If I was Kanye, I would feel like my my homie kind of kind of was not with me. Uh, I, I would feel like Mister, like he'll give it to he'll give it to the gays and to the LGBTQ and to black people even, and he'll say nigga and bitch and all this other stuff and whatnot. But it was an awful lot of deference in that brilliant monologue that he did. And if I was Kyrie or or, or Kyrie or, sorry, or or Kanye or whatnot, I I would I would be feeling like a little bit like my fearless hero uh didn't 100 have my back a little bit because he knows where the third rail is so for all that fearlessness and all that stuff whatever you know you know at the end of the day but, but, i felt like there was a lot of difference that was the joke the joke yeah. was that was shall not be named like and, and listen <laughs> they are on his ass today. Oh, i know what the, like, i know what the, i know what no, the no, no, but, they, but they are on he could have went a different way with that context clues is helping him right now so <laughs> they did just like he was just like we just left him on the path. He just well, like there was a comedy show. As a matter of fact, you texted. I didn't get a chance to 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 uh, read it, but you know, yeah. So Dave should Saturday Night, Night Live. I mean, Saturday Night Live. If the yeah. church lady wasn't on there. That's the last time I re- I think I saw. I saw, I saw Damn, bro. Damn, Dana Carvey. That's know, classic. Yeah. He went way back. Damn, that was like with Pepsi Clear. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought, you know, I thought, was gonna, I thought they was gonna bring back Pat for a second. I was like, he ain't that bold. He ain't that bold. No, listen, and you he ain't know, that the, bold to bring back Pat. The one, the one segment that they did, they did a segment that was based on this Game of Thrones type of show, which I have not seen, but I've heard a lot about. And the <laughs> and they had black characters introduced into that show, and all the black characters turned out to be characters from a Chappelle show. Uh, which I thought was like pretty I interesting. It. Bring it back, but then when I saw, so the one was a crackhead, one was Rick James. I was like, they all had some, you know. Mm, I just felt 
it was a little, I feel like Randy on uh, American Idol. It was a little pitchy for me, dog. You know, it got a little weird <laughs> in the middle. It was a little pitchy for me, dog. It, it was a no for me, dog. But I knew no as I was me, watching, every, everybody's going to be like, Dave was brilliant. I knew that that was going to happen. But I fit in the I beginning. Especially on this podcast. Don't be a hater. No, no, no. I don't mean on this one. I mean, you know, I knew that. Even without saying it was brilliant. It was the best thing since sliced bread. Never said that. Never said that. You underestimate him. He's a genius. He's a genius. I love that guy. He ain't watched it. He ain't said nothing. He ain't nothing. He just be talking. And nobody said that. All we said was it was a good show. It was a good monologue. You know what? While we're at it, while we're at it, not might have the how many years like a capper. C-A-P-P-E-R right now. Listen, and Nas King's Disease 3 is out as well, and that might be one of the best things that came out this year too. So add that to your mm. batch of hyperbole, sir. <laughs> I, I, I just like listen. I I, I laughed, so That's I did think man. a lot of it was funny. I thought some of it was funny. I did think, like the thing. First of all, the thing that I like about Ch- Chappelle that makes me laugh is is the ghetto part of his humor, right? Um, but I did think he he walked very lightly in that monologue in a very undave like way in my mind. Just in my mind, I'm just saying, and and it was two of his homies that were affected. That he, mm, I mean, listen, I'm not gonna cape for Kanye. I'm just saying, if I was Kanye, I might be thinking a little something like, "Bro, you came all the way to Wyoming and saw me, like like Wyoming nowhere, and was my homie and was with me, and this is the way you treat me on national TV." See, Sharif's not gonna know nothing about all this. I don't. Was think that? What'd you say? I don't think. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't feel that way. I don't know if Ray feels that way, but I don't think he treated Kanye or nah, Kyrie bad. I think he was making a point and saying you barked up the wrong tree, and that okay. and it, it was it was kind of really you didn't out. feel you didn't feel it though. I, uh, I Charles, think, but how do you think Kanye? This is what I said. Kanye, if I was Kanye, he lives in Wyoming now. Oh Yo, my God! He, yes, he's yeah, living in Wyoming right. for the last like yeah. Well, he lives in a lot of places, but he, no. he's in he's in L.A. across the street from from his ex wife and his kids, uh, and in Chicago just, and Wyoming. Which which, which is I, is is being normalized because you got Tom Brady's wife who just brought yeah. a crib across the across the water, and she's right there, and nobody's making a big deal about that. Nobody's like, oh, she bought a house right by Tom Brady. No, because the shit is normal unless Kanye does it. Well, I mean, there's a little mm. bit more there. <laughs> there's a little bit more that happened. But you know. so there, there are two people on this show who care deeply. Um, so that's uh, care deep- you know, to I, your I, question. So I don't so, know. Go ahead, brother. So so I, I, I'll close this out with this before we go into final thoughts, right? So my man Reef, right, was given an award today by the greatest fraternity in the world, the Omega Sapphire Fraternity Incorporated honored Sharif El Meki today by giving him uh, a what was it, a lifetime achievement award? What they give you, Reef? Not lifetime, but uh, but an award about educational, uh, you know, commitment to the community. Yeah, and so, so shout, shout out, out to, to Omega Live Live the chapter and foundation. So really grateful for those uh, for those brothers. Mm-hmm. It was dope. Mm-hmm. It was dope, and they they were giving out several awards. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they they, how, how did they find you? Did they recruit? They did they, they, they were. <laughs> <laughs> they said, we still want you. You never know. I might find a grad chapter and just figure out how to cross the bar oh, of sand. Hey, you know what I mean? Oh, like, the Sharif El Mekki on, 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 our, on our live show <laughs> just say to the people. 
that he is researching. Hey, that he is researching grad chapters for the Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Corporate. Did we just hear that? Hey, Reef, you better not. I disown you, bro. I won't even be friends with you, bro. Just, just off of GP, off of what you stand for. What? What? This is a I trip you in the streets, bro. Listen, bro. Carter G. Woodson is 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 one of those honorary members, bro. Like this is uh, you know, no, he's, this, he's, 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 he's an educational hero, bro. Like, do, you, do you want to be an honorary member of anything? He bro, never said I, anything about being an honorary member. Yeah, I, I did. I was just giving the example of Carter G. Woodson. I didn't say I would. When I go in, I go all in. I, I don't need to be yeah, honorary. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I swear to God, I trip him in the streets. I swear. I, right. I, I swear for so, Lord. Let's go and close the thoughts. We'll start with uh, we'll start with you, Chris. Close the thoughts. Uh, again, another good show. Uh, democracy in America has the um, has uh, survived. Uh, election. Congratulations to Gen Z, to uh, Black people, to um, the half of people of color that are not trying to be white, and the half of white people that are not trying to see their country go down in white supremacist flames. Congratulations, you saved America. And I appreciate you. <laughs> you did a good job. Like You get a star. Um, so good for you. Um, I'm also going to plug that uh, the eight Black hands are going to be in Philadelphia next week. Um, yes. And we're going to be at a, a function uh, that is going to have hundreds of black males who are educators and teachers in one place over a couple of days who are collaborating together and finding ways to create a movement of black men that are willing to show up and be accounted for when it comes to the education of our children. And uh, I just I can't say enough about how much of a big deal that is. And I can't say enough about how some of y'all need to be ponying up more money. Some of y'all need to fund the revolution and stop talking about it all the time. So that's two groups of people that I'm talking about. I'm talking about people with a lot of money who aren't funding this, who should be. I'm talking to you. Hundreds of black men coming together for an education conference is a big deal. You should be funding it. And then for individual black people who like to talk a good game, who got extra cash and be buying fancy things all the time i think you should find bmec i think you should find uh sharif's organization uh the center for black educator development i think you should make a donation i think you should take whatever bullshit money you about to spend tomorrow on shit you don't need to impress people you don't love um and take that money at least for one day or two days and send it to sharif to do something real in the world uh and you know maybe don't get your nails done or maybe like don't buy any of that like Starbucks or something. I don't know. Just Yo, take take some of the money on. and give it to um anyways. That's all I got to say for this week. The revolution will be literate. We will be in uh Philadelphia as a four uh a four contingent, a contingent of four intellectual black people who uh who ain't who ain't about the the nonsense. We're about these kids. That's it. Yeah. Man, hey, thanks for that. Hey, and, and shout out to Miss Joyce Abbott uh in the Ms. audience. Abbott. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> That's what's up. All right, uh, Charles, on you. Do you want to say who that is for people that don't know who you're talking about, brother? Uh, everybody should know who we're talking about. If they don't, then I they promise to... they don't. So just say it. Go ahead. You you go ahead. They brother. need to Google or something. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, if you're listening to this right now, Joyce Abbott is in, is in the comments. And if you don't know who Joyce Abbott is, Joyce Abbott is a teacher from Philadelphia, the Philadelphia area, who has a TV show that is named after her called Abbott Elementary. She is such a good teacher that she left a mark on one of her students to the point where that student grew up and did amazing things in the world. 
uh, of which now millions of people know the name of this show, Abbott Elementary. And she happens to be in the eight black hands comments right now, which is dope mm -hmm. as hell. Yes. Oh, yeah. There yeah. we go. Hey, 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 Reef, Reef, didn't she teach one of your kids? She did. She she taught my my oldest son Ali, um, and she by far is one of the best teachers that I've ever seen. She's one of those teachers where I, every year I was like, "Man, my son needs a Miss Abbott. All my kids need a, a Mrs. Abbott." Right? Like mean. you know, they all uh, every year. Like and and just when I think about the black teaching tradition that Akosu had talked about when she was on the show, when I think about like that black excellence, when I think about high expectations and high support and this idea or orientation of we're going there together. We're all going to reach this de uh, destination together. Um, you know, Miss Abbott uh, exudes that, you know, um, so I'm grateful. She'll actually be on, on, a, on a panel um, on Thursday at, at the uh, at BMEC, which I'm, I'm just excited. So and she's on a panel with uh, Dr. Travis Bristol, Dr. Constance Lindsay, mm -hmm. uh, Rand Miller, and and Joyce Abbott, you know, so together, um, you know, like I think that's the, the researchers and then the the activists, practitioners, right, who do action research, right? So researchers and action researchers, um, I, I'm, I'm just excited to, and grateful to, to have her. She's retired. She just retired. Um, and, you know, I think her influence will just continue to spread, you know. That's awesome. Charles, on you. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I, I like I, I think I've been talking about this. There's a lot of it's been a bittersweet uh, 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 last few months. Um, a lot of boards that I served on uh, that I've been stepping down from. So uh, just officially stepped down from the UCSF Benioff Children's Hospital Board. We're overseeing four billion dollars in healthcare stuff and, and, and doing a lot of work around sickle cell anemia for black kids across the country. And uh, and yeah, and it, it's, just, it's just a really I, I enjoy my service there. Uh, and then also with some other just news with it. Um, I'm giving this to my aunt uh, so she can keep it for our family. But I got a proclamation from Oakland, from the city of Oakland, just recognizing just the work that I've done there in, in education and and and, and in healthcare and in uh, social work and and the few different things that I started there. They spelled a name wrong, but my aunt doesn't care. And she's been the person that's been holding up that stuff. So this is probably the most meaningful thing I've ever gotten, especially as much as I love Oakland and putting on for that city um and and you know and doing stuff for chicago and, and, and kentucky and um so thank you all for letting me serve uh to benioff children's hospital to all the schools to all the other organizations to professor jen wright who i'm still on this board but i'm rolling off in a few other places man uh thank you for allowing me to do that and uh you know a lot of people talk about their city and this down the third i don't own nothing in oakland uh but that place owns my heart i will always love that place even though it's changing and uh, yeah, man, but I was really surprised to get that and it made me emotional. So I wanted to share with the A Black Hands folks. Appreciate you, bro, as always. We need, um, uh, we need some applause sound oh. effects. Yeah. Yeah. There you go, there you go. And also for the culture. <laughs> for the culture. <laughs> he did it for the hey, culture. Hey, I'm working so. on my sounds, man. We're gonna get live. Look, man, I'm glad to glad to see you all. Um, again, shout out to Omega Labda uh, Foundation and Chapter. Um, and look, we're we're excited to to welcome you all. Um, a Black Hands closes us out on Friday uh, at at uh, Black Men Educators convening. So super excited about 
you know, about that. Um, Ilyasa Shabazz will be there. Malcolm X's daughter. Mm. Um, mm. She'll be the she'll keynote on Saturday. You know, and so many of our friends have come through uh, the Eight Black Hands, you know, um, Salome Thomas L and Principal Kafele and and so many others, man, will will be a part of this, uh, you know, this community and being in community together. Um, and, you know, this is our, our fifth one, you know, uh, national and our 13th overall. You know, we used to do these regional mm. before it became um you know, before we did the, the first national one in 2017, you know, as we said before, you know, uh, Cole's been to several of them, you know, Ankrum as well. And, and Chris, you were at the first one, October 1, 2015. So it's like, it's crazy to me. This is now 2022 and, wow. you know, just continuing to, to build together and be in community with, uh, you know, with each other in this space you know, to me is, um, you know, just a, a part of the service that, you know, that we, uh, is our pleasure, duty, and honor. But, you know, that's all I have to say about it. Pleasure, duty, and honor. So looking forward to seeing y'all later this week, man. Yeah, I liked it better when it was in October, October, bro. I had a nice pink MCM bag. You can still do that. Whatever that is, you can still do that. Hey. And I hope you, I hope you I wear might. some of your ugly, expensive shoes so I can just, like, take pictures of them. Post hey, them, make it's gonna be a movie, them. baby. It's gonna be a movie. <laughs> no worries. It's gonna be a movie. Well, folks, you've been listening to another. You want to give us a final thought, brother? You have. Uh, you, you just know what? did. I'm gonna give a final thought. And so, um, let's see how we're gonna do this. <laughs> All right. So, my final thought tonight is that, uh, and racism in classrooms is something that is gonna exist and continue to exist. But my message to parents is that you got to start believing your kids, right? You got to start asking those real questions in terms of like, you know, what your kids' experience is in these schools. You got to stop handing your kids over with this blind trust that we often do. Um, I, I think that things are different now in terms of how our children experience school. It's not the same kind of thing to where like when, a parent, when a teacher called home, you automatically uh, thought that your child was guilty with, with our generation. Like these kids have feelings, they have thoughts, they have concerns, and we need to be opening up and listening to their concerns so that we can help them uh, do the things that they need to do in order for them to be great. We're our children's first teachers and we need to act like it and we need to be concerned about what's happening in these classrooms. That's my final all right, so you guys have been listening to another episode of the Eight Black Hands podcast. Can't wait to see y'all in Philadelphia. It's going to be a movie. <laughs> Peace. What does that mean? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>